What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I am your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined on this Monday night, post-Monday night, post-wild Monday night, with at Marcus underscore Mosher. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Let's get into it. (laughs) (sighs) I'm fired up, Elliot. I'm fired up. What? I know you wanted the Raiders to win tonight. I did, but that's not why I'm fired up. Are you fired up at the strategy? Nope. I'm fired up at Carl Sheffer's crew, man. Oh. You're the, the officials are there to officiate the game, right? And what that was on Monday night was atrocious. Uh, from the over-officiating on the Chris Jones roughing the passer to the over-officiating on the Malcolm Kuntz hold, which wasn't a hold on the field goal that gave the Chiefs seven points, to make up calls all game long, to being afraid to throw penalties in the second half because of the the crowd. You're not the main character of this show, Carl Jeffers. You're, we're not there to watch you on Monday Night Football. Just stay out of the way. Get out of the way. You ruined a fantastic game because you wanted to be the star. Wow. Well, I will say this. If you're going to be upset about the officiating tonight, I would say it decidedly went against the Chiefs. Uh, the the Chris Jones play was possibly a ten point play there. It was atrocious. It was awful. And and on the final drive, not that was such an obvious hold. That would have been a huge penalty against yeah. the Raiders. It would have been ten yards back. They would have been at their own thirty something yard line. That's a game changer non call. And that's an obvious one, right? Like yes. he's right there getting held and the, the other defensive end is getting held and you don't call it. But then you call the Malcolm Kuntz one on the field goal, where is Ellie, is anybody in the world gonna complain if you don't call a, a holding? No, there? no one's gonna complain, but you know, that one was a little weird to me. Not weird, but it kind of reminded me of John Madden. Because I think John Madden, if it wasn't late in the game, would have a field day with that because it's kind of funny when a guy tries to commit a penalty, essentially, and he does a poor job of it, but he gets called for it anyway. <laughs> he, I know what he was trying to do. It's, it, it, it's, you're trying to sneak one in there so your guy can get free on the rush, and he didn't really do a very good job. He kind of did a half-hearted job of it and didn't really hold the guy. But he got called for it. It'd be kind of like if you're trying to run a rub route and you do a terrible job of actually knocking the DB off, but they call you for OPI anyway. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it was a tough It was a tough call. I thought the calls that went against the Chiefs tonight were far more egregious. But – which is fine. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing because they were just awful all together. But that ended up being a seven-point penalty. Right, because yeah. they missed the field goal. Chiefs get an automatic first down because of the holding, and they score a touchdown. And all of a sudden, that's a seven-point penalty that just absolutely does not need to be called. No, it's uh, I'm no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And um, there were so many wild plays in this game outside of the officiating that that had it not been for some of those calls, particularly the roughing the passer, I would say that was the biggest one. Uh, boy, I thought Hollins was going to tear that ball away in the end zone yeah. on that jump ball. That was crazy. Uh, the the collision between Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, and I thought Troy Aikman did a really nice job on the broadcast showing how the timing on that route got thrown off by the press coverage at the top on Devontae Adams, which leads me into my point. 
Uh, I know we're a night away here from Sunday night football, but what happened Sunday night was a travesty. And I can't believe no one was talking about it today. The Ravens were literally given the game by the Bengals defense who played this typical, let's let them gain five to seven yard pass plays and we'll tackle them in bounds. You can't do that when a team, Marcus, has got two minutes and all their timeouts left. And the Bengals refused to blitz the A and B gap against Lamar Jackson, which gave him that three or four yard quarterback draw whenever he wanted it. Well, if you throw a five yard pass and you get a four or five yard QB draw, you're going to just move your way right down the field. The Bengals just let the Ravens move right down the field. You're setting up the greatest kicker of all time. Did you see the way the Chiefs played it tonight? They blitzed Derek Carr on that final drive, and they pressed coverage on Devontae Adams up top. That's exactly what the Bengals didn't do against the Ravens. That's why the Bengals deserve to lose and the Chiefs deserve to win. Yeah, we can talk about all that kind of stuff, but I want to go back to Carl Chappers. No, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm just i so sick of the officiating having such a big impact in this in these games, and they just don't need to. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about the officiating. You're right, though. The, the Chiefs played it better than the better than the Bengals, although they really shouldn't have. If Devontae Adams just makes that clean catch, which he's wide open, the Chiefs probably yeah. lose that game. So I, I yeah, I tell you what, um, something I noticed tonight, and we're going to do our power rankings in just a second. Uh, I want Jeffers. <laughs> I want to harken back to something that I hit on a lot, and I always sound like the old man. But we saw it tonight. We see it with one of the teams at the very top of our power rankings or very close to it. As the NFL has evolved, uh, there's always a coming back around. It's just like bell bottoms came back around. Overalls are going to come back in, believe it or not. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. Use your running backs. I thought you were actually going to be mad that the Raiders didn't sneak another draw in there to Jacobs on that last drive because it, it was there. Jacobs was ripping them tonight, man, ripping them. You know what they should have done is Carson is audible to a quick uh, Hunter Renfro, like underneath um, screen, right? Cause they were blitzing a bunch of guys up the a gap. Just throw them the ball in the flat. And let Hunter Renfro go get two yards or more than when, that. But and the guys that were blitzing were blitzing in like wild men. I think a draw would have caught him for about 12 yards to Jacobs. Not to mention, how many tackles, yeah. arm tackles, did Jacobs run through tonight? All of them. Yeah, yeah. all of them. Exactly. I, I'm not exaggerating. Jacobs might have been able to tear off a 20 to 30-yard run on that final drive and put him in field goal range in one play by himself. The way the Chiefs were tackling, the defense they were playing – I thought that's what you were going to be mad at. And it's very rare that I would think Marcus would be mad that a team didn't run the ball. But in this case, I thought it would have helped the Raiders a little bit. They, they probably should have run on third down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Jacob's final numbers were, but dude, he, he had to be well over a hundred yards rushing. Tonight. Oh, he, it was a career high in rushing yards for him. I think he was over 170 total yards. In this yeah, game. I mean, he had a huge game. I didn't I got see right his, his numbers. T- 21 carries for 154 yards and a touchdown, Three, uh, 39 receiving yards as well. Yeah, so you're talking about seven and a half yards a carry uh, there running the ball. He ran through arm tackles. He made good, decisive cuts. Uh, he looked explosive. I know he's not the fastest running back in the league, but didn't he look explosive tonight? He really uh, good, really. It's a that shame 30 that the yard Raiders... Run, didn't get a win with him playing that well. 
Oh, for sure. That 30 yard run he had in like the third quarter was awesome. Um, I want to just say about one of the teams that won this week that's at the top of our rankings, and then we'll get to these rankings. The Cowboys are proving right now that you run the ball and you play defense, you could still beat anyone in the NFL. And I know it's old fashioned, but as Marcus, one thing you love to talk about is kind of the changing body shapes of defensive players. The more the linebackers get trimmer, and the more the safeties and corners are kind of almost interchangeable, the better it's going to be for the guys like Josh Jacobs who aren't afraid to run physical. At some point, you can be too light and too fast on defense and not unless you have really great tacklers. And how many teams have great tacklers in their back seven anymore? Teams usually have one guy that can tackle back there reliably. Right. And so we've seen, if you look at the last few weeks, we've seen Rashad Penny. We've seen uh, Josh Jacobs tonight, obviously. If you didn't catch uh, Austin Eckler versus the Browns, uh, the Falcons have been running the rock. That's how they've been staying in these games. I tell you what, it's coming back a little bit. And the Cowboys are evidence of that. Of course, it helps if you have a really great defense and you can play that style again. That's my little... uh, little take there anything else on tonight's game i know you were telling me on the phone you think patrick mahomes is the most underrated player in the nfl that was interesting i mean they were down 17-0 in this game and they were still favored on sports books i i, I don't think yep. I, don't, I don't think we give uh, him enough credit for just how ridiculous he is like most quarterbacks say you're down 17 nothing that's it's whatever he throws for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns, and he makes it look routine. And he had guys dropping passes. His receiving core is less than stellar. Um, he was incredible tonight, absolutely incredible. These guys play for him. They play for each other. You could tell he was as excited as anyone else. So were the other Chiefs receivers that Travis Kelsey got four touchdowns. Um, it, it was clear they wanted to get him that fourth touchdown too. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty good to see. Uh, if you didn't get to see the game tonight – it's a high-scoring game. The final was 30-29, to 29, Kansas City. The Raiders got off to a 17 to nothing lead early in the game or in the second quarter. They had a chance on like a fourth and one in Chiefs territory. They decided to kick the field goal and not go for it, where it looked like they were going to go for it. Marcus wanted them to go for it to try to go up 21 nothing. They get the field goal. They go up 17 nothing, and Chiefs came back. Yeah, it's it's a really, really great game between Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr and Carl Sheffers. I mean, just unbelievable if you <laughs> want to go back and rewatch that game. A pretty clutch 59-yard kick. Yeah, uh, that's by, a huge by, kick by Matt Man, Ryan. oh, man. And uh, Carlson, once again, nails for yep. the Raiders. Um, that a penalty on uh, the Raiders for holding on the field goal came on a missed – I want to say it was either 37 or 39 It was a 37-yard field, field goal that he pushed yeah. – he pushed left um, – Man, there was some huge, just wild swings yeah. in this game between the Raiders thinking they got off the field on a third and fifteen, and then having a penalty, or you know, thinking that you you got a missed field goal and then a penalty, and now you've given up a touchdown. Like just wild, wild swings. Oh yeah, even the 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 third down in the red zone when Kelsey got his third touchdown, where he caught the ball and then he had to run all the way across the formation. How about when the Raiders were down one, they went for the two-point conversion, and Josh Jacobs fell about six inches yep. short. 
Uh, I thought he got it watching it live. So and, then, I. Yeah. and I will give uh, the replay crew and the side judge a lot of credit for that. That was a good call. He was indeed short, but uh, definitely worth your time to go on YouTube and watch the highlights if you can't of this one. Let's get to the power rankings here. Uh, the, the Raiders are certainly going to be an interesting team to talk about in terms of my ranking. Uh, starting at number 32, I've got the Carolina Panthers. They fire Matt Rule today. Marcus made a lot of money betting on that. Yeah, uh, we can finally talk about the Panthers again. Um, it's it's full-blown rebuild now for Carolina going forward. Yeah, that was my leather chair making that noise, but if you thought it was something else, it's appropriate for the Panthers. Uh, 31, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, Marcus. Can make the case they're 32. I can't put them below Carolina given what's going on right th- there right now, but they're they're bad. Yeah, they, they went with Kenny Pickett because they needed a spark on offense, and they scored three points against Buffalo's second-team defense, basically. Uh, they're bad, really bad. And you know what's really hurting this team? What I just talked about is helping other teams. They can't run the ball, Marcus, and get explosive plays in the nope. run game at all. And they this is a team that needs Najee Harris to be that guy. I, I don't I don't think it's all just on the offensive line. I think it's on the backs as well there in uh, Pittsburgh. Okay, at number 30, Man, this is where it gets really tough. And I debated and debated and debated, and I finally put the Lions here. Now, this is a 12-slot drop for me, but here's the thing. They were so bad on defense the last couple weeks, they had to drop. I don't care how good their offense has been, and their offense has been great this year, but not on Sunday. And their entire secondary is totally depleted. They had a really bad injury this week uh, mm-hmm. that that we hope everything's going to be okay there. But uh, and it looks like it's it's better than it looked on the field on sure. Sunday. What are your thoughts on all that? Worst defense in the NFL, and I think the offense. I know that it was good for the first few weeks in the season. I still don't believe in that offense long term. They got shut out by New England. Um, feels right. Uh, at number 29, again, I, I really struggle with this. Another team, I dropped 12 spots. 12. I almost never drop a team that far at this stage of the season, but I had no choice with Jacksonville. You lose to Houston on your field after playing terrible in the second half last week against Philadelphia. And when I mean terrible, I mean it's their offense, Marcus, is getting nothing. I blamed it on the conditions last week. I can't do that anymore. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence was awful in this game, just missing wide-open receivers. Uh, they scored six points in this game. It's just unacceptable. Uh, you can't have these type of games against Houston. If you want to be a, you know, somebody that's competing for the division title, this is a very disappointing loss and a huge setback for Jacksonville. You bet. At number 28, I have the Houston Texans who beat Jacksonville. Still not a ton of faith in these guys, but they've been playing pretty hard for Lovey Smith. They just don't have the horses. They don't have nope. the roster. No, they play hard, but this is probably a win that they're going to want back by the time we get to April. I've got a few. Because uh, honestly, this might be the difference in them getting their franchise quarterback or not. Well, a team that they almost beat on the road is my next team up, Chicago Bears. The Bears have played tough. They played Minnesota tough. Uh, they beat Houston in the last second field goal. They won in week one. I I just think the Bears are getting by a little bit on smoke and mirrors, although Justin Fields had his best game of the season, which is a good sign. Yeah, start letting him throw a little bit more. You've got to find out one way or the other. Like if, if he's not your franchise guy, move on and draft somebody else next year. But they've got to at least allow him to, to take chances and make plays down the field. At number 26, a team that is just painful to watch. 
horribly painful to watch. Who do you think I'm going to say? The Denver Broncos. You are correct. If you're a Broncos fan and you listen to this podcast and you wonder how I feel about the Broncos, I can't hide it. They're my least favorite team in the league to watch. Uh, they really are. They are so that, – that game Thursday was so awful – uh, if you want to listen to a depressingly fun, awful podcast, listen to our podcast after that game because we instant react to the dog turd of a game that we watched. Another thing that came out is that Russell Wilson has a lat injury. Sure. Marcus, there is no reason that a quarterback needs to be jacked. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. It does nothing for you. It did nothing for Dak, and you notice Dak slimmed down. I don't know why more quarterbacks are not looking at Tom Brady and saying, that's what I need to do. Now, if you think I'm just being a Tom Brady honk, I, I've been a personal trainer in my life. Let me tell you, when your muscles are that dense and they're contracted, they don't do anything for you throwing a football. Your lats, having giant lats and doing lat pulldowns of 250 pounds – are not going to make you throw a, a ball better. You know what will is a sinewy, elongated, loose muscle. Not a tight bodybuilder. I don't get it. Please explain this to me. Please explain one reason a quarterback should be jacked. Yeah, I I I don't get it. Um we've seen we've seen some other quarterbacks um you know, lose some weight and it's really helped their game. Aaron Rodgers talked about it. Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks slim down as they get older. The Roethlisberger, oh, it's a joke. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, there's really no reason why Russell Wilson needs to be like standing there and his biceps are flexing. He looks way too jacked this year. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, Anytime I, I can throw it, a Ben Roethlisberger dig, I'm going to do it. Just allow me to have one, one a show. And look, I know he wears a uh, rib protector and I, he's always been a little bit stocky, but he looks bigger than he was a few years ago. And there's just, it doesn't do anything. If anything, I think it restricts your throwing motion to be sure, too I built. Uh, I, I don't get it at all. Okay. Uh, from t- 26 Broncos, we go 25 Colts. The Colts had no business beating the Broncos in that game, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to him because the Broncos managed to lose it with bad Russell Wilson throws Colts, Broncos, which one do you want higher than the other, Marcus? Your pick. I mean, give me the Colts at least. I, I thought Stephon Gilmore played really, really well in that game. He kind, of, he kind of saved the Colts, but neither of these teams are good at all, and I really hope that we don't see uh, you know either of them in the playoffs. Uh, number 24, a team that probably is better than this, but you've got to win games, and you've got to do it late, and you can't make blunder after blunder, and your quarterback especially can't be responsible for those blunders, a lot of blame for the commanders on that offensive line. But some of these sacks Carson Wentz is taking, he doesn't have to take, Marcus. Did did you see Ron Rivera's uh, reasoning why Washington is behind the other three teams in the division? They asked him uh, point, block today, point, point today, and he said quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, one interesting team at quarterback is the next team up on my list. Uh what to make of Zach Wilson at this point? You know, first half against Pittsburgh, he was terrible. Then he made some big-time throws in the second half. They got a win against Miami with a little help uh, that we'll talk about when we get to the Dolphins. Wh- what do you make of the Jets? I know you like some of their young talent. Brees Hall, big game. I like the receivers, but Zach Wilson just never throws to them. 
at all. Uh, Garrett Wilson, three for 27. Elijah Moore, one for 11. Like those guys, I guarantee you, they're like whispering to each other. Man, do you know what the kind of stats we could have right now if Flacco was our quarterback? Uh, but it, listen, I, I can't give the Jets a lot of credit for what they did to the Dolphins on Sunday. They were playing a seventh-round quarterback who probably didn't take a snap all week, you know, because they were getting Bridgewater ready. Um, we'll see. They've got some bigger games coming up that I think we'll we'll find out about them. Okay, you know, unfortunately, it's really hard to to um, give this team a twenty two ranking because they deserve a lot higher. But you want to talk about a team that has played together, played hard, and their head coach is putting them in the best positions to win with the style of game he's calling, and they're getting almost no help from their quarterback. It's number 22, the Atlanta Falcons. You can make a case they should be higher than this. Marcus, they they are so pesky. Is there a peskier team in the league right now? No, I think they're a tough out every single week. They don't have a lot of talent, especially on offense, um, especially with Kyle Pitts being out with an injury, but they play really hard, and their secondary is good. So I think this is about right. They're playing a really solid defense that you and I did not expect. They're running the ball, which you and I did expect. Arthur Smith deserves a lot of credit, as does Pete Carroll. And the interesting thing about the Seahawks at number 21, and I'm honoring that Seattle did beat Atlanta this year, is that Pete Carroll comes from the defensive side of the ball. I think his first job in the NFL was as defensive backs coach for the Bills in 84. He's been around a long time, went back to college football, but he was always known for defense. And it's their defense that's letting them down because the offense and Geno Smith yeah. is playing really well. Yep. I, I agree. Uh, I will say the, the Rashad Penny injury is a big one for them. He was running so well this season. He, he's going to be out for the year with a, with an ankle injury. It's tough, but I like that defense is horrendous. It, it's just as bad as the lions. So I wonder how much of this is a fluke, what we've seen so far. Well, that's unfortunate with uh, Penny. Uh, speaking of the Lions defense, I didn't name Savion Smith. That was the corner who had the bad injury uh, against the Patriots where everything – he posted a positive message on social media today and everything looks really good there. I didn't say his name when we were talking about the uh, Lions. Uh, my apologies for that. Uh, number 20, uh, New Orleans Saints. This is a team that beat the Seahawks this week, albeit barely. I know everyone's excited about Taysom Hill. He had three rushing touchdowns. He had a throwing touchdown. I think he even returned punts in this game. I, he had the uh, big but, block of the game to seal it. Yep. But uh, did he return punts or did he block a punt? He returned, I, pu- he returned punts and kicks. And he was uh, – I'm not exaggerating. On the, the last play of the game when the Saints needed to pick up a first down, Yeah, the, he was lined up as a fullback and had an awesome block to spring Alvin Kamara. Like he did it all. Right. I, I – uh, I, I couldn't remember if he returned kickoffs or punts in this game, but he literally did just about everything. The problem is, Marcus, I, the Saints defense has been a disappointment. I mean, I thought this was a top five, seven unit, maybe in the league. They're middle of the pack at best right now. Yeah, I, I think they'll get better as they go forward. Remember, they, they've had some they play some pretty decent teams to start the season. So I, I'm optimistic that they'll get better as the year goes on. You're going to hate this next ranking. I hate this next ranking. I've got the Raiders at 19. It feels like they should be higher. But at some point, Marcus, you got to win. You got to win. And they're one and four. 
right now. And I, I'll just tell you right now, I have the Cardinals ahead of them at 18 because the Cardinals went out there and yep. beat them. Um, I know this seems unfair, but w- w- what can I do? I want you to blind react to this video I'm going to show you after the game, okay? Okay. Okay, here we go. What the? So it, it can't, it, 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 nobody can see this. So I, I'm showing Elliot the video of Devontae Adams walking off the field and shoving a cameraman to the ground. Bro. You got to control that. I mean, you're in the league. You're making a ton of money. Devontae Adams is making a ton of money. That cameraman, I don't know if that's an NFL. That could be an NFL Films guy. That could be a Chiefs team team guy. That could be an ESPN guy. That could even be a Raiders guy, for all you know. Either way, first of all, it's totally inappropriate. Second of all, I guarantee you that camera guy wasn't talking smack. I'd, I'd be shocked if he was. You're pushing over part of the reason you make a lot of money. And if people don't agree with that, trust me, all the coverage of the sport it enables these guys to make the kind of money they do. Yeah, you lost. You lost because you ran into Hunter Renfro because you couldn't get off of press coverage. Okay? Why is that the camera guy's well, fault? Not only that, you lost because you didn't get your feet in bounds after you kind of juggled a pass, right? You just catch that play, the Raiders win that. You catch that pass, the Raiders win the game. They do. And I think that's why he's upset, right? He knows if he catches that ball, they win the game. And he didn't. It, I, it may sound like hyperbole that I'm saying camera guys, the reason these guys make so much money, but without NFL films, without ESPN, without all the coverage, I, the those support people and ancillary people promote the game and ultimately promote your play, especially if you're a wide receiver, because you make so many of the highlight reels. I just, it's not appropriate to push anybody like that, but that's ridiculous, man. Like I, I'm, is that going around right now? I didn't yeah. see that on Twitter. That's uh, yikes. How about that? Does he get suspended? Oh, he should. Absolutely. He should be suspended a game, don't you think? Probably. Uh, want to talk about number 18, the Cardinals, who beat the Raiders out in Las Vegas. The Cardinals played the Eagles tough. It looked like the Eagles got up 14 to nothing on two Jalen Hurts sneaks. The Cardinals got back in this game. They had this weird sequence at the end of the game where Kyler Murray didn't get the first down and then got up and spiked the ball and they had to kick a field goal. They're still the most annoying team to rank of all time. <laughs> yeah, we move on because I don't want to talk about the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did James Conner got hurt in this game. He did. Uh, did he not against the Eagles? Um, yeah. yeah, close loss there. But Arizona's got a couple of wins and they're still Great. hanging around. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Number 17, another team that's really frustrating, at least for their fan base. The Browns, you could make the case right now, could be pretty much undefeated. They should be 5 and 0. Like they legitimately should be 5 and 0. It's really weird. They had a chance here against the Chargers. Bad red zone interception by Jacoby Brissett Um, late in the game. Weren't the Browns, I think they were up by two at that point. Uh, they can kick a field goal, go up five, or score a touchdown, and they throw an interception in the red zone. The Chargers get the ball. They go down the field. Browns ended up, by the way, losing on a 54-yard field goal that they missed, but they shouldn't have been in that position, having their kicker kick 54 yards to win in the first place. 
This may not have been as bad as the Jets lost, but it's not far behind. The Browns ran for 213 yards and averaged seven yep. yards per carry, and they lost at home. I mean, I, I've been saying this for a while. Everybody talks about how talented Cleveland is on defense. Show me a game where they look good on defense, or they when they dominate when they're supposed to. They've got a superstar talent, Miles Garrett. they got a former number one pick in, in Jadavion Clowney. Everybody talks about how good their secondary is, and yet they never can get a stop when they need it. Or they can never stop good offenses from putting up thirty points. I just, I'm sorry, I'm done believing that the Browns will have a good defense until I see five, six, seven weeks of them holding teams under twenty points. I just, I just don't buy it ever. If I was Marcus right now, defending Dak Prescott, I would say, to be fair, Denzel Ward left this game with a concussion. Great. But the Browns' defense hasn't looked good uh, the whole year. It, it, you had me at hello. And you being should have seen them try to means, tackle Austin Eckler in this game. And being a good defense means being able to survive an injury. If you if you have one guy miss a half and all of a sudden we fall apart and we can't get a single stop, then you're not a good defense, right? Hey, man, listen. Sorry. I'm this whole up. thing about changing body types and changing the way that you play defense based on the passing game, neither running game could be stopped. Did you see Austin Eckler's numbers for this game? Yeah. I mean – they were out of this world. How about the Cleveland-Atlanta game? Nobody can stop. The Bucks couldn't stop uh, the Falcons from running the football. More so, teams need to run the football. So what do the Browns do? It's Instead of addressing their actual problem on their defense, which is their defensive tackles who are getting blown up off the line of scrimmage <laughs> nine do- yards down the field, instead let's trade for a 29-year-old washed-up linebacker who hasn't been good in three years, and that'll solve it, who hasn't been good at stopping the run since – he was at LSU. I'm sure that's going to work out very well, Cleveland. Excited for you. Since the Reagan administration. I'm just – Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, number 16. Hey, here's a team that can't run the ball. You know which team I'm talking about? I don't care. Go ahead. The Los Angeles Rams. Oh, yeah. What they about are – pathetic on offense i think i'm gifting them a 16th ranking here marcus truly i'm gifting them i could easily put them lower uh i will say i will say the play by cooper cup if you're one of these people that thinks that cooper cup is just kind of like a system receiver and sean McVay makes him good go take a look at the play he made on a crossing route uh, in the second quarter of this game, he caught it one hand on a one handed on a dead sprint. This is not like a oh, I'm going to jump up in the air on a lobbed pass and catch it one handed that we show on the highlight shows. This is a ball that's got some meat that got some mustard on it. He catches it one handed, then turns up field and flies down the field. It was awesome, awesome play. Um, I don't know if you've looked ahead to week six at all, but I, I think sports books are a little bit higher on the Rams than you are because they are an 11 point favorite this week. Cool. We'll talk about that on our Wednesday podcast when we do our picks podcast. Shameless plug. You betcha. No problem. You're welcome. Uh, number 15, let's talk about the New England Patriots. They shut out the Detroit Lions. They won 29 to nothing behind their rookie quarterback. But really, uh, I think Stevenson had like 160 yards rushing in this game. Their defense was phenomenal. Their secondary played really well. Uh, that Patriots defense, man, coming around. Jack Jones, a fourth-round pick for them, really, really good player. Uh, they can run the crap out of the ball, and their defense is pretty solid. They don't give up a bunch of big plays. We'll see when Mac Jones comes back if they can be a little bit more explosive in the passing game. But, yeah, uh, they they are like a league-average team right now. Uh, 
Tough team to rank at number 14, the Miami Dolphins. Talk about it. It's just so hard with the Dolphins because they're so they are a completely different team with Tua versus Teddy versus Skylar Thompson. I still think they're really good. I don't have a problem with them if you were to rank them inside the top 10. But yeah, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks has not been great. Well, they were kind of put in a tough position this week when Teddy Bridgewater left the game because I guess one of the spotters thought that he was having a motor issue, which has become um, obviously a big deal after the Tua injury. And it's a good thing that the that the NFL is clamping down on this, but it's a little it's strange. It's reactionary. It, it's reactionary to the Dolphins bungling the Tua situation in the first place. Um do you want me to give my hot take? Absolutely, of course. Fresh out of the sports oven, please. The NFL has gone way too far with this concussion, new concussion protocol. Like, I get it. When when something like Tua happens where it's clear he hits his head and he stands up and falls down, get that guy out of the game and don't let him come back. Like, that's obvious. But what happened with Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday is, frankly, it's a joke, right? Teddy doesn't hit his head. He's just kind of shaking it a little bit, shaking his hands. And the independent spotter thinks that he saw something and pulls him out. They give him a concussion test. He passes it, and they still don't let him back in the game. Like, at this point, now it's all subjective. Like, hey, I didn't like the way that he was shaking his pinky finger. He's not allowed to play in the rest of this game. I, I just don't like it when we, we allow – subjectiveness because we just don't know what's going to happen like in the playoffs. What if what if somebody hates Tom Brady, one of the spotters and he sees Brady, you know, rolling out his neck a little bit after a bad pass? Is he going to say, "Hey, he's in concussion protocol. He can't get out." Like that's that's it's awful to me. That's what I don't want to have happen here. I'm all for player safety, but what we saw in the Miami game on Sunday was well, it's not good. Also, if you've ever played football or uh, you know, lacrosse, hockey, contact, I guess hockey would be a little different, but it's really easy to jam up your fingers in a really painful way. Like if you're bracing your fall or you hit it on a helmet, and one of the first reactions you have when you do that, whether it's a hairline fracture, which I've done multiple times, you shake your hand. You know, you're trying to shake it out. And yes, if you have like a pinched nerve in your neck or whatever, you can lose some feeling in your hand, okay? But it's so common to hurt your fingers or to try to shake your hand or move your hand. You just can't automatically go from from point A to Z like that. So I I, I definitely get your point. Um, It's a really tough position for them to be, be in. But then again, the Jets deserve to win too. The Jets beat them pretty handily, Marcus. I don't have a huge problem. Uh, with that part of it, I thought 14 was the right spot because at 13, I have the Tennessee Titans who look don't look now. They've won three in a row. And this is what Mike Vrabel does, right? Like you write them off after one bad game on prime time and we don't think about the Titans for four weeks. And all of a sudden they beat all the teams that are kind of next to them. And all of a sudden they're six and two and tied for the best record in the AFC. Like this is just what Mike Vrabel does. You know what else he does? He makes hit records. That's what I do. I make hit records. Sorry, I guess you never saw that Saturday Night Live skit with uh, too much cowbell with Christopher Wall. Never mind. You haven't seen anything. Yeah, I got you. All right. At number 12, this might be a generous ranking, but I put the LA Chargers here. They went to Cleveland. 
They won a tough game. They got Eckler going. Uh, they did it without Keenan Allen. Mike Williams made some really nice catches in this game. The only thing that really bothers me about the Chargers is that run defense. It was bad against Jacksonville. It's bad against Cleveland. This could come back to bite them. Yeah, they're probably the toughest team in the NFL to figure out because when they play well, they're as good as anybody else. But, man, there's a lot of quarters and halves where they just look lifeless. And it was kind of that way for the first half of this game uh, before they eventually turned it on. I I don't know. Chargers are one that I we probably will never figure out all season long. And they're just going to bounce from 11 to 20 in our power rankings all year. Are they bad in quarters concepts? Uh, sure. Sorry. Uh, okay. Number 11, I've got the New York giants. Yeah. That may sound high, but at some point you just have to give respect. They're four and one. They look extremely well coached. They play really hard for that coach. They play. I think the best compliment you can give the giants is they play to their strengths. If you don't like Daniel Jones as a quarterback, that's fine, but you got to love the way Brian Dayball's used him and Jones's effort. Saquon, uh, his effort so far. This is another game they won without Leonard Williams. The Giants are not at full strength. Their guys are dinged up right now. Some of their guys aren't playing, and they beat the Packers, man. They beat the Packers. I know some of these guys aren't great, but without Kenny Galladay, Wandell Robinson, Kadarius Toney, and Sterling Shepard, that's their top four receivers. And they were able to, and remember, Daniel Jones didn't really practice all week with an ankle injury. And they found a way to win. Brian Dable has that team playing so far above their heads. It's ridiculous. And if you kind of peek at their schedule over the next month or so, they're going to get some more wins. Yep. They were last last year in the division. They play a last place schedule. Marcus and I thought Brian Dable was the best hire of the coaching offseason, of the offseason. It looks to be that way so far. Four wins is four wins. At number 10, we have a team that doesn't have four wins, has two wins. But the Bengals were right there against the Ravens at Baltimore. Uh, I, I still think this is a good team. The, I guess the reason I have them this high is because, A, there aren't a lot of good teams in the NFL right now. B, the Bengals are so clearly not playing at the level that they're capable of. And C, they're still right there all the time. I could easily see the Bengals turning it on and still finishing 10 and seven or whatever it takes and being in the playoffs and then being scary once they're there, like last year. That and their division sucks, right? They're just a game back of the Ravens who they lost to by two points. Uh, They're going to be fine. I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs, but I don't love the way they played in any of the first five games of the season. I, I, I'm kind of starting to, even though they made the Super Bowl last year, they were a couple of plays away from winning. Zach Taylor's team just isn't all that well coached. It's, it's just, yeah, a- I was just about to say, and I already said, I did not like the way the defense was coached on that final drive. If you want to swap the giants and Bengals, I'm fine with that, but that's my 11 and 10 turn there. Uh, number nine, the Tampa Bay bucks, they're underwhelming. Uh, they're underwhelming, but they continue to win games. I think this is a team that's going to get a little bit better as this season progresses. And at the end of the day, they still have a Hall of Fame quarterback who's proven it time and time and time again. Is this the time that I can do my Jerome Boger rant? Yeah, go ahead. This was somebody who was so bad in the Raider Bengal playoff game that they banished him from doing any more playoff games last year. I'm talking about Jerome Boger. He was atrocious in that game. 
The NFL gave him nine downgrades, which if you get more than like two in a game, it's considered really bad. He got nine, and they banished him from the playoffs. They said he's not allowed to do playoff games over the next couple of years. Why do we still have crews like this doing games? I, I don't understand. The the Grady Jarrett roughing the passer call was a, a huge one because the Falcons were going to get a chance to to win that game. They scored on the last two possessions they had, and Boger robbed them from an opportunity. Get some of these awful refereeing crews out of the game and clean up your product, NFL. I'm done. I think from his vantage point, that was a tough call. I would just advocate, because it was a bad call, but it was a bad call from the view that we all got to see, which was not where Boger was on then the field. Talk to, talk to your other officials and say, hey, I, did I get it right? No. Just make it reviewable. Problem solved. Problem solved. Uh, there we go. Okay. Uh, let's go. And if you say, oh, we can't have everything be reviewable. There aren't that many roughing the passer calls that are made on. And just have a sky weekend. cam that buzz down. Yes. No. Right. Word. Boom. Word to your lab partner. Uh, number eight, we've got the green Bay Packers. They lost to the giants. Would you make the case? The giants are better than the Packers. I will not. I will not. Well, that's not helpful. We're supposed to talk about it and debate and stuff like that. Uh, the Packers will probably end up being fine. They'll probably win the division, and then they're going to lose in the round one. So there you go. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, I was watching a Cowboys-Giants game from 1983, and Drew Pearson makes this one-handed cut catch, and John Madden goes, ah, I love this, blitzes, and guy makes a one-handed catch, and stuff. I just like stuff. <laughs> I mean, and that was his analysis. Oh, oh. Only Madden can get away with that, right? Yeah, I think Green Bay is going to be okay, but I sure would like to see them lean on their backs, uh, uh, use their defense, give their defense help by actually not putting on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders and burning a little bit of clock. I know that people that cover the Packers have wondered why over the last few years Aaron Jones has not gotten more touches. I'm part of that group, even though I don't cover the Packers. Okay, uh, number seven, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. In any given year, the Ravens are not the seventh best team in the NFL. No, it's only this year. They should be like 14. They've got a little bit of the Cardinals in them where it's just too much. Like, let's just have Lamar Jackson make plays and that's all we do. Uh, but I will give them a lot of credit for, for pulling out this win. Let me just say this though. Hot sports opinion. You were saying that DeMarcus Ware should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, if it was between DeMarcus Ware and Justin Tucker, I'll take Justin Tucker. I don't think that's a hot between take. Between Leroy Butler and Justin Tucker, I'll take Justin Tucker. Whoever it is that you think made it over DeMarcus Ware. I know people think Justin Tucker is a great kicker. I think Justin Tucker is legitimately a first ballot Hall of Fame football player at this point. Unfortunately, uh, some of the Hall of Fame uh, committee members don't agree with that because they don't even believe he's the best kicker of all time, which I think is ridiculous. But no, I think he's the best kicker, Adam Vinatieri. Okay, fine. Can we not put two kickers in the Hall of Fame? I mean, we we can. More, we I mean. should. We should. But we've got Jan Stenerud. We got Morton Anderson, and Justin Tucker is so much better than both. It's ridiculous. Well, I he, mean, you're he, come on. I mean, I mean I, even if you just for eras, he he is just such a weapon for Baltimore in a way that I've never seen a kicker be a weapon. Okay. Can we talk about one of your spreadsheets adjusting for kicker errors on another time? We've got, sure. we've got accounting here to do. Uh, 49ers are number six. 
I don't really see how there could be any debate that the 49ers should be this high at this point. Their defense is playing well. Jimmy Garoppolo probably at his best game so far, although it was nothing special. They still run the rock. I told Marcus on the phone, I really hate that they don't have Elijah Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I get it. He's running back for a lot of teams. That wouldn't matter as much. But for this team, it really hurts not having him. So you said their defense is playing well. Um, they actually are the number one defense in the NFL. They're allowing 12.2 points per game. And if you take away points that the offense has given, uh, you know, has allowed like yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo taking a safety or a, yeah. pick, or a pick six, uh, they're averaging under 10 points a game on defense. Like this defense is unbelievable. I apologize. They're playing very well. There you go. Thank you. That makes me feel much better. Okay, number five, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Could you swap those two, 49ers and Vikings? Probably. I think the Vikings right now have the advantage at the quarterback position, and they continue to win in another huge game, man, for Justin Jefferson. What more can you say about this dude? Best receiver in football right now? Yeah, I I will say this, though. Chicago made this game interesting. Uh, They 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 certainly did. It's a divisional game. You expect that. Absolutely. And again, there aren't really good teams in the NFL right now. I, As Marcus likes to point out, tiers. I, I don't know if our number four team is in the same tier as the Vikings and 49ers. I think they are, though. And I think our one, two, and three teams are in a different tier. So the highest team of, like, the second tier of the NFL mm-hmm. is the Dallas Cowboys. The running- Feels right. I, I think you could yeah. swap the Cowboys, Vikings, and 49ers and choose the order that you want. And I don't think you could have a big disagreement with it. Uh, Dallas's offense is far less explosive than those other two, but their defense is just as good as the 49ers, and their special teams might even be better uh, than both of them. So I think it makes sense to me. Yeah, I said this before. I think Maher's had a pretty nice year for them. He did miss an extra point. Uh, in this game, but that was something that they were really concerned about. The Cowboys are running the football. They're not putting too much on their quarterback's plate, and they might be the best defense in pro football right now. They probably have the front runner for defensive player of the year candidate right now on Micah Parsons. If it's not him, it's Aaron Donald. It's a two-horse race, really, at this point. The thing that I will say uh, about quarterback position here, Cooper Rush, They're not putting a lot on his plate, but don't listen to some of these talk shows that say they're putting nothing on his plate. Because if you watch the guy and if you watch the broadcast this week, Greg Olson was saying on the broadcast about, you know, Cooper Rush still makes changes at the line that you don't see a lot of backup quarterbacks make. And as Greg Olson was making the point, Cooper Rush changed the play at the line, changed the formation up. And so I think it shows his familiarity with, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, and with this offense and with his teammates. I don't disagree. I think he's been great for a backup quarterback. I don't think you can ask anything more of him. Now, if we move past the Cowboys, Vikings, and 49ers, again, 49ers at six, Vikings at five, Cowboys at four, now we have kind of a different tier. And these are our three best teams in the league, and I think there's a clear line of demarcation here. Kansas City at three, yes, they got down to the Raiders uh, early in this game, but it was a division game. The Raiders gave them their best punch. The Chiefs took it. The Chiefs overcame some really bad calls that you pointed out at the top of this podcast. The run defense was a little bad, but this team looks pretty good right now. Yeah, I mean, it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I don't know how we can ever rank them lower than three, right? Like, anytime they're at home – uh, against uh, against you know whoever 
they should be favored even this week against Buffalo. So I, I have no problem at all putting them at three. In fact, I think you could even put them at two, and I, I, I might think that's maybe where they should be. The one team I think that would give Kansas City some trouble are the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos, although they've had injuries at running back, they do like to run the ball. I think the Broncos' secondary has an advantage on the Kansas City receivers in terms of matchups here. The AFC West in general, the the all these teams can run the ball if they want to. The Raiders can run the ball. The Chargers can run the ball. I worry about that for Kansas City in the postseason. But outside of that, they look pretty doggone good. And and I I have to agree with you, man. Patrick Mahomes is actually underrated, as weird as that is to say. Yes, it's crazy. All right, number two, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't really know how you could debate this. Uh, they didn't even play their best game against Arizona, but they got a road win uh, in the NFL. That's a, always a good thing. They did it against a team that's decent, may not be a great team. They survived a late surge. And if you can win on the road against a decent team, when you're not playing your best football, I actually think that's a sign of a really yes. good team. Yeah, I'm, the Eagles really just don't have a weakness. Like every spot on the roster is really good. This wasn't Jalen Hurts' best passing game, but it didn't matter. They still got the win. This Eagles team, if they beat Dallas on Sunday, which I think they will, they're going to go a long time without losing a game. You, just really quickly, I, I'd like to run through it. You tell me when they're going to lose their first game, assuming they beat Dallas. Okay, are okay. you ready? Mm-hmm. Home against Pittsburgh. Nope. After a bye. After a bye. At Houston. Nope. Home against Washington. Nope. Uh, home against the Colts. Nope. Home against the Packers. Nope. Yeah, home against the Titans. A bunch of home games right in a row. Probably not. At the Giants, maybe, but probably yes, not. They're going to lose to the Giants because they always play the Giants ugly, ugly, ugly. They're going to lose okay. that game. At the Bears. <laughs> This is the kind of game I can see them losing 12 to 10, but I'll say no. Home against or at Dallas on Christmas Eve. They're going to lose that. Okay. Uh, home against the Saints? No, not at home. Home against the Giants? I think they split with the Giants. I mean, yeah, this team. I, I, I mean, mean, like at, 15 and 2 is very realistic for them. Yeah, and at worst, probably 14 to 3. At 14 and 3, I think they definitely split with the Cowboys and the Giants. Welcome to your uh, number one seed in the NFC. Hey, I've been telling you all offseason this is going to happen, Elliot. So just. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, but they are not the number one team in the league. I don't know how you could argue this either. Uh, I think Buffalo is the clear front runner right now. They certainly looked like it on Sunday. I know you were saying that game could have been 60 to three. And Those I'm not exaggerating. Games, like it yeah, honestly yeah. could have been 63, 50 to three without squinting at all in the first three quarters. It was that bad. You know, what just blows my mind about Gabe Davis is there are some NFL players that when they get going, their football speed just seems so much faster than everybody else. And I've always wondered what that is. And I, I think what it is, is um, no wasted movement, knowing what you're doing, and then just sheer want to. One of those plays, he literally took the ball away from Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the 98-yarder, it, it's like with him, he, he tucks the elbows in, 
and he just glides down the field. It, it's, it's just remarkable how easy that guy makes it look. That was a great throw, though, by Josh Allen. Yeah. A great throw. Uh, really quickly, um, <laughs> Buffalo is without Micah Hyde, obviously with a deck injury. Jordan Poyer, who played last week against Baltimore, he's been dealing with a rib injury. He played against Baltimore. The Bills just rested him in this game because they didn't really feel like they needed him. Uh, they were without Tredavious White. They were without two other cornerbacks in this game, and they did not allow a single touchdown in, in this game. Even late in this game, when it's 38-3 to and they pulled all, all the starters off and Josh Allen's been sitting for over a quarter, like the defense was just like playing with their hair on fire. They just did not want Pittsburgh to score a touchdown late in this game. It's insane how deep they are on defense. To be honest with you, man, this reminds me a lot of the early 90s Bills. They used to do the same thing. They would rest their guys in the fourth quarter, especially like in 1990. They won the AFC Championship game in 1990, 51-3. The Conference Championship game, 51-3. They played a game in 92 against Atlanta where Thurman Thomas and his backup, Kenneth Davis, both had 100 yards rushing at halftime. At halftime, like this, if you watch the Bills in the early 90s, that's what this really reminds me of. And though Jim Kelly couldn't run like Josh Allen, they did get into some track meet football back then. But the numbers weren't huge because too often Buffalo got up big and then they just ran out the clock and they tapped the break. And so I really wonder if the Bills keep having some games like this, if it's actually going to hurt the the kind of stats evaluation of their team. Kind of. Uh, I'm going to give you a really awesome stat from this okay. game. Are you ready? Yeah. So Josh Allen did not play at all in the fourth quarter, and the Bills were up 38-3. to So they just ran the ball. They kneeled on the ball. Even after that, they averaged 10.2 yards per play in this game. <laughs> <laughs> and that includes two kneels, uh, several negative runs at the end of the game, and a bunch of incompletions by Case Keenum, and they averaged 10.2 yards per play. Yeah. By the way, great uni matchup yeah, once again great. in this game. Uh, so there, that's my number one team, the Buffalo Bills. I think that's pretty obvious uh, to this point. Uh, did I did I botch anything here? No, I think I would have swapped the Eagles and the Chiefs, um, but I think okay. that's fine. Okay. Yeah, the more I think about it, I probably should have swapped the Giants and Bengals. Uh, I think the Giants deserve to be higher, but uh, – Overall, I think it's a really solid power rankings list per the usual. A really great work by the author. With that, I'll give you the last word. Oh, good. I was going to pull a football card. And I had one. I really got one lined up, but we don't have to do it. So it's fine. Yeah, well, if you got it lined up. Yeah, it's it out, a Carl Sheffers card. Uh, it's it's oh, one of his action-packed cards. <laughs> so dumb. Is, that really, is that your last word? Uh, no, I will say that my last word is this. Uh, week six, the, the week that we're going into has always been one of my favorites because we've got five games of action so far. You can start looking at some of the data and kind of forming good op- opinions about teams. Um, this is when we start to really figure out which teams are contenders and which ones are pretenders. Plus we've got some awesome games coming up in week six. I just I can't wait for, uh, this, uh, this week of football. Hey, quick, quick reaction. Best offense in the NFL. Who? Uh, Chiefs, Bills, best defense Bills. In the NFL. Bills, Bills, okay, best defense in the NFL, Dallas, 
I think so. I think it's Bills and Cowboys uh, right now in, in terms of uh, best offensive unit, hey, best defensive unit. Wouldn't that be fun if they uh, the Bills and Cowboys met in the Super Bowl? I don't know if you knew this, but the Cowboys and Bills played in the Super Bowl twice in the nineties. It's a fun fact for you. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate it when you educate me on things because, uh, you know, problem with me is I just get too into analytics. And it's really helpful when somebody like you brings me back down to earth. What do you think uh, about the analytics discussion that everybody was having in such bad faith today? I've, you know, I think it all is in bad faith. Uh, I think it's bad. I, I, I totally get that the analytics community gets kind of ticked off sometimes because people misrepresent them during games. Like the analytics community is not always, if it's fourth and 29 from your own three, the analytics community does not say go for it. Okay. So I get that. On the other hand, I've told you when it comes to taking criticism. uh, Yeah. I'll let you fill in the rest of that. Yeah, we live in a little bit of a glass house that way, but it's fine. (laughs) All right. With that, we are going to go. We're dude. We're like, what are we? Is that really? Are we 58 minutes deep in this sucker? Yeah, it's all right. We'll edit some of this out. So go ahead. (laughs) Doubt it. I'm just going to bleep out every time I say Carl Sheffers. (laughs) With that, he is the host of Locked On Cowboys with Landon McCool. Give Landon a follow. And he covers the Raiders for USA Today. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I'm Harrison at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We appreciate all you guys, and we will see you Wednesday on Brinks and YouTube with our picks or wherever you download podcasts. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody. 